So as to test you by affliction. This line stands out for me or to me from the first reading, and let me explain why. I've been back to the parish for a little less than 12 hours, and I've already received many emails asking me if I am okay. The short answer is no. The longer answer is this. Two weeks ago, I was placed on administrative leave by the bishop. There was a complaint sent to the diocese, and I believe it's just the policy for a priest to be put on leave while they can discern the veracity of that complaint. As far as I know, everything with that is settled, and the bishop restored my faculties a few days. Let me rephrase that. I wrote that confusingly. As far as I know, everything is done with that, period. The bishop restored my faculties a few days ago. But that's affliction number one, being suspended unexpectedly. The timing of this was not great either, because when you are on administrative leave, you cannot function as a priest. So on June 1st, the fourth anniversary of my ordination to the priesthood for the Diocese of Richmond, I said Mass by myself on the island of my kitchen in Virginia Beach. Affliction number two, not being able to rejoice with others on that occasion. Now if that was all, that would have been enough. However, more was in store for me. As many of you know, uh, I am a person who overdoes it, or tends to. And that's the fun part of my brain, because it likes to think that if something is good, then way more of that something is going to be better. In 2013, I let fitness become my stress reliever. When I was in seminary, people would ask me how I would deal with the stress, and I would jokingly tell them that I was learning Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which was great, because for three hours every night, I tried to strangle my friends, and they tried to strangle me, which was fun and cathartic, and it kept me from strangling seminary professors and other students. Now, over the last three years, I have changed my obsession to doing CrossFit. Well, on May 29th, I did CrossFit too hard. And because, as I have said, I have a brain that likes to overdo it, within the span of an hour and a half, I had done such extensive damage to my muscles that my body could not detoxify itself. I had damaged my muscles to the point where I put myself into a condition called rhabdomyolysis, or rhabdo for short. Now, when you are working out, you get stronger because you are creating micro tears in your muscles, and those micro tears heal stronger. That is true until a certain point of diminishing returns. I had done such damage to my muscles that they needed to be excreted by my body. However, our kidneys are not set up to filter the protein of dead muscles. So it tends to destroy those kidneys. So I landed myself in the hospital, almost in the ICU, because I was trying to find a healthy way to deal with the stress of being on administrative leave. Now, to give you a frame of reference, the number that measures muscle cell death is called a CPK number. A normal range for anyone of CPK found in their blood is zero to 120 micrograms. Upon admission to the hospital, mine was 99,102. I was in a pretty serious condition. Over the next three days, they would pump me with more than 33 liters of fluid through my body. Now, I learned many years ago in paramedic school, um, when it comes to the body, this phrase is fun. The solution for pollution is usually dilution. And that's what they were trying to do to save my kidneys. 
I gained 20 pounds of water weight overnight, and that's not a joke. I went from having a six-pack to being pregnant. I was jiggly, okay? I don't jiggle when I walk, but I was. I had taken, I'm sorry, and so my health was taken away, and I was reminded that I am, in fact, not immortal. Affliction number three. And let me tell you, during this time, it was so hard to pray. Saying Mass felt empty. Prayer was hostile toward God. I felt abandoned. I felt like the people in the desert in our first reading felt. Affliction number four, spiritual desolation. Now, as I was writing this, I was reminded of all these fun phrases like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. False. Pain is just weakness, leaving the body. Sometimes it's rhabdo, okay? But when people ask me how I'm doing these days, well, that's quite a nuanced answer, isn't it? People tell me I don't look the same, and that's because I'm not. I'm still not healthy. When I was discharged, it wasn't because my CPK number was back in normal range. It was because my numbers were trending down well enough that they said, you can probably do the rest on your own. So the last time my CPK was checked in the hospital, it was 39,000. Now, I tell you this for a few reasons. First, because it's amazing what our bodies are capable of. The abuse that we can put them through and the way that God has made them very resilient is truly amazing. This is the feast of the body and blood of Christ. Now, what does this mean except that God made such a miracle when he made the body that he himself decided to inhabit a body exactly like ours, in every way. He did not change himself or give himself a different body. He didn't have many arms or super powers like gods and other religions. He had a body just like ours, in every way like ours, because ours is such a miracle that he himself designed and made that he decided to take one out for a spin for 33 years. What people has a God as close as we do? This is the question asked in the Psalms and answered in the Incarnation. It's answered when he takes on flesh himself to be like us in every way but sin. His body was like ours so that we could know that where his body went during the ascension, we too are also called to be, both in body and in soul. At the second coming, we will be given a glorified and perfected body, just like Christ had after the resurrection. Whatever is broken in our mind, our body, our spirit, our strength, or our soul, all of it is healed when we are reunited with our perfected body. So the body of Christ on earth shows us his closeness. His perfected body in heaven sitting at the right hand of the Father shows us our destiny. And his body in the Eucharist here on earth is our pledge that the promises of Jesus are real. That he does prepare a place for us in his Father's house, like he claims in John. And he starts that preparation every time we receive his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And when we receive him in the Eucharist, we are strengthened with his grace. This, in turn, strengthens the body of Christ, which is made up of you and me. Maybe you haven't been in a season of desolation like I have recently. Well, praise God for that. Pray for those who are. 
Maybe you are in a time of desolation right now, and your story would make mine sound silly. Thank the Lord ahead of time. Thank him for that time when he relieves you from your suffering. Thank him for the time when he smooths out all those problems in your life. Thank him ahead of time for being able to be free of all of this when you are in heaven with him. Maybe that is the only place your suffering may end. The point is we need to pray for the body of Christ here on earth because not everyone is in the same place that we are when we come to Mass. Some of the body of Christ is healthy. Other parts need more help. The entire body is led by Christ the head. But we do need to pray for the body of Christ. The best way to do that is to receive the Eucharist and pray for everyone, our friends, our enemies, our loved ones, and those we find hard to love, asking that the Lord first change our body through the reception of his, so that the grace received from the Eucharist can be applied to strengthen the body of Christ worldwide.